Hello everybody, welcome to the Value Line Observer with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes and with my partner Vern Value, we are 25-year veterans of Wall Street who have had to go underground, take on secret identities in order to bring you our candid views each week. You've seen our faces on TV, you've seen us quoted in the newspapers, but our bosses would never allow us to go on the air with our unvarnished views of stocks. So we've taken on secret identities and disguised our voices in order to talk with you each week about our favorite stocks in that week's Value Line Investments Survey. Uh, there's a lot of disclosures on our website, www.thevalueguys.com, including the disclosure that this is for entertainment purposes only, uh, even if it's not all that entertaining, as we like to say. Uh, and also, we may own the stocks we talk about. We generally do. That's the idea. We're talking about things we know and like. and. Uh, if we uh, if we don't, we tell you that. Uh, this week we're going to look at the October 5th, 2007th edition of the Value Line Investment Survey, and uh, you know it's been a uh, an interesting week. It's a very strong market today. In fact, I'm doing something a little different this week. It's Friday afternoon. The market's not closed. Uh, it's surging today. Uh, my partner uh, Vern uh, is uh, not available. We actually recorded the show last night, and then uh, we were, you know, sleepy. It turned out the recorder was not on. So he's out of touch. I'm going to do the show by myself this week. Uh, I did go through every page in the value line, and I have three pretty interesting stocks, um, one of which I own and two of which are now on my uh, to-do list. Um, but let me just get right into it. You know, it, evidently the uh, recession's been canceled. Uh, Alan Greenspan said so about a week ago. And then today, just to give you an idea about why we don't like to chase the most recent uh, piece of news out of Wall Street and trade on it, uh, you know, last week, last month, I should say, everybody was a little depressed because in August, evidently, I mean, it's a big country, but everybody got nervous because there was the negative, uh, there was a job loss of 4,000 jobs. Uh, you know, I think about 150 million people are employed, but 4,000, gee, that's a problem, and the market got a little uh, depressed, and uh, pundits started talking about a recession, and interest rates started going up, and there's a credit crisis, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, as we said then, and as it seems to be turning out, you know, those are opportunities, fear in the marketplace, and sometimes unwarranted fear. You know, these pundits are predicting, uh, you know, eight out of every two recessions. Uh, so goes the uh, advice, and that seems to be true in this case. Uh, today, the uh, jobs report came out for September, and guess what? 100,000 jobs were created. And furthermore, the August uh, job loss of 4,000 was revised to be a gain of 89,000. So these things all move around. There's a lot of noise out there, and I think when you can make uh, you know longer-term bets on entrenched trends and entrenched uh, management teams that seem to know what they're doing and base that on uh, cash flow, you know, you're going to be in, in, in good shape over time. And uh, uh, the ideas this week are in that vein. So uh, first up is a little stock called American Woodmark, ticker AMWD. This is on page 846 in this week's value line. What do they do? Well, American Woodmark manufactures and distributes kitchen cabinets and vanities for the remodeling and new home construction markets. 
according to value line. They have 350 cabinet lines in a wide variety of designs. 66% of their sales are to remodel, 34% to new homes. Now, this stock has plummeted uh, as a result of the fear, of course, that uh, new home, well, it's more than fear, new home construction is way down. Uh, existing home sales are down. There's the fear that remodeling will come down. But, uh, you know, this is a space I've been involved in for many years. And what sometimes happens is when people don't buy new homes, they remodel their old homes. So, you know, you might pick up a little bit there. And with 33% or 34% of their business in the new home market, even if new homes are down 20%, you know, that's 20% of 30% is, uh, is 6%. And uh, remodel might come down a little bit, but uh, as I say, demographics, baby boomers wanting new kitchen cabinets, um, you know, sometimes uh, the, the, the specific market for new home sales, you know, is not as important as the fact that, you know, your wife wants some new cabinets and then you go and, and get them. Um, the company has put up respectable operating margins over time, so, you know, they're decent. They're going to run around 10%, down from 11 and 12 a couple years ago, which I think is just slowly being driven down by uh, their relationship with Home Depot and Lowe's, which are their two biggest customers. And those guys are pretty sharp-penciled on pricing, and I'm sure that's uh, in part what's driving the margins down a little bit. On the other hand, that's going to prevent competitors. As margins go down, uh, there's going to be less opportunity for someone else to find um, you know, profitable opportunity to come in and compete. The specific thing that gets me attracted to this thing and the thing I look at generally first is just a multiple of gross cash flow. Uh, yeah, 07 is a down year, so gross cash flow per share projected at four bucks, but down from 460 in 06, so that's not too bad. And then up uh, in 08 to 475. Stock, you know, on the value line here is 24. The quote right now is 26.92, so it's still about five times gross cash flow. Uh, they're spending a buck 25 per share on capex. That gets you to 350 free cash flow next year, and the stock is still about you know nine times that level. So that's an 11% cash on cash return. You've got 50 million here in cash, which is about four bucks a share, and you've got just 26 dollars in in debt. So uh, you know I got a theme here, and that is that boomers like nice cabinets in their kitchen. It's the wealthiest generation in history. Uh, these guys are not the high-priced brand. Now, just as an aside, my partner, Vern Value, who, uh, you know, forgot to turn on the record button last night, one of the stocks he was going to talk about was Masco, and I looked at that as well. They own some, you know, pretty well-regarded brand names in some of these spaces, uh, plumbing supplies as well, but also cabinets. And I'm thinking that, you know, for a lot of these projects, the brand name, you know, it's nice to have a brand name, but American Woodmark is priced lower than those guys. They don't have as famous of a brand name. And uh, like private label guys gaining share during tough times, you know, this might be a little bit defensive in a weaker market. People might trade down and save a little money by buying the off-brand. Uh, the quality I know is good. This is a company I actually examined uh, years ago for an offering and did a lot of due diligence back then. Uh, but the stock's down in here from a level of, uh, you know, 48 in 05, 46 in o earlier this year, down here 26. And I just don't think that uh, things are as bad as they look, you know, just this year. So as I read the you know, value line commentary, 
Um, you know, business slowed up a lot. July quarter sales plummeted. I'm sure that's just an inventory adjustment at their customers who weren't selling stuff as fast, so they stopped buying. And then there's going to be a pickup as an inventory fill uh, comes on the other end. So this is a little bit predictable. And estimates have come down 20%, so of course that's going to really put the pressure on a stock when sell-side guys can't possibly recommend a stock even for a long-term play when estimates are coming down. Uh, they also have a new stock repurchase program going on. Even Value Line shows them growing earnings at about 8%, dividends at 11%, uh, and they pay a little bit of a yield. So uh, you know they have a history of buying stock, history of good cash flow, good free cash flow generation, and unlike a lot of companies in this space, they manage to have a very clean uh, balance sheet. Uh, Royce, great value uh, you know, buyer, uh, owns 5% of the stock. And uh, let's see here, Wellington 6, you know, I wish officers and directors own, oh, they do own a lot, 29%. So uh, that's terrific. I think this thing, you know, over the next few years um, is going to rebound off this cyclical low. And uh, I don't see why you don't see a stock back at the old levels over the next couple of years. Certainly sales haven't been, uh, per share, haven't been uh, dropping precipitously. And uh, I think I'll have a chance to turn around, you know, certainly once um, home sales stabilize and inventory buy-ins at Home Depot and Lowe's stabilize. So that's American Woodmark, ticker AMWD, page 846. Uh, second one up little stock I have talked about before uh, and by the way all of our shows are now indexed such that if you drop our XML code which is at www.thevalueguys.com slash thevalueguys.xml that file if you download it and drag it into Excel you're gonna see this great index of all our shows by ticker and um, you know you can look up past shows and I know that on this one particularly, Eagle Materials, ticker EXP, we have spent a lot of time on this in the past. This is on page 850, and, uh, you know, Eagle has been caught up in this downdraft with building materials. They provide uh, gypsum wallboard and cement. Uh, of course, also that leads to concrete and aggregates to, uh, you know, builders. And one of the interesting things, interesting things about the products they sell uh, two things. One, cement. I did a study a few months ago when we bought Florida Rock. We talked about that on the show, and uh, some listeners uh, did well with that. We got some nice emails on that, uh, including someone who evidently took their mom on a vacation with the proceeds from the Florida Rock sale. So that that made us feel pretty good. Um, and so, uh, but in any case, uh, you know, that was a pure play in cement. They got taken out by Vulcan, and Vulcan is paying a good price, so Vulcan, you know, I'm not sure is a great deal right now. could be. But Eagle, uh, you know, the cement side of their business, I think is about half the business, and they enjoy the same, um, you know, fundamentals that Florida Rock enjoyed, which is that the price of cement simply never goes down. There's a great oligopoly. They control the price. It's very regional, so if you've got a big pit uh, somewhere, you draw a 200 mile radius around that, you know, you've got uh, no one that can compete from the outside and you've got a regional uh, oligopoly with the people that own that pit and Eagle has a bunch of that going on. In addition, about 20% of cement is imported from overseas and the 
uh, uh, the, the suppliers in the local or domestic market are the owners of the distributors that import from overseas. So they've got a great little uh, you know, uh, approach here to maintaining price in the industry and uh, as I tell you a hundred years of data no declines in cement price it was about the only commodity I could find that had not ever gone down in price so that was pretty interesting and I do think that when you have a population of 300 million people growing at 2% a year that's 6 million new dwellings necessary a year the number of people per dwelling doesn't change that much so it's hard to visualize but you know 6 million new babies don't need homes but of course that leads to some people are moving out some people are you know moving on etc a big country but we need 6 million new dwellings a year uh, just to keep up with the growth in population and so you can stop building homes for a few years um, but uh, you know that's just gonna lead to pent-up demand a little bit down the road and you're gonna need cement and in fact uh, cement is growing uh, its share of building materials in part due to all the non-residential construction going on and rebuilding the infrastructure of America here but also uh, because some of these areas like New Orleans and uh, Florida that uh, we now appreciate could be a little bit storm prone you know some of this rebuilding is going on uh, with cement and concrete instead of uh, uh, wood. Um, you can see something's proprietary here because Eagle Materials Unlike uh, American Woodmark, which is generating 9-10% operating margins, Eagle is generating 30% operating margins. And, uh, you know, this year they're going to have a 20% return on capital. And with a little bit of leverage, they're going to have uh, mid-20s uh, return on equity, which is, you know, very powerful for what looks like a commodity supplier. They buy stock back every year with their free cash. And uh, right now it's trading at about eight times gross cash flow for 08. It's about 20 times free cash flow, but that's simply because they've really stepped up their CapEx program in the last couple years to build some capacity, and I think that's going to come off as you get into 09 and 2010, uh, and you'll start to have free cash flow uh, growing in those years once that capacity build is uh, you know, coming through. Uh, long debt is about 200 million. That's 27% of capital. Um, and it's extremely well covered, so there's no issue with that. They've got a little bit of cash on the balance sheet as well. But uh, just like I was mentioning with American Woodmark, the fear in the market of uh, the collapse of new residential construction has taken its toll on the stock, which in 06 peaked out at $75. Uh, earlier in 07 it was as high as $52, and now it's 30 uh, well, actually, on the value line, it's 36, but I just took a quote. It's 39 dollars today, and I own it, and I uh, I just bought more at at these prices, so I think this is a terrific uh, opportunity to get in. Now, the other half of their business, you've got cement, and I said that's a you know in effect a local monopoly. The other half of the business is gypsum wallboard. Now, the reason gypsum wallboard is an interesting uh, industry right now is simply because for years you know the industry was under siege from asbestos litigation and the need to create giant slush funds to pay off all the uh, victims so-called victims of asbestosis um, you know what's coming out in the courts now is that uh, some of the law firms that got involved in these giant class action suits had simply 
coached witnesses to lie about their symptoms and they had doctors on the payroll who would then confirm that they had these diseases and uh, you know a lot of this may uh, unroll frankly so part of what you may get here is uh, some kind of uh, uh, fee coming back to the industry for you know these wrongly awarded uh, sums for you know presumed wrongdoings that have uh, turned out to, to not be wrong. But in any case, um, that's all an aside. The fundamentals are that after years of paying fees to state governments and uh, victims, you know, the industry is now free to that and uh, is now being run by capitalists for profit. And in fact, you've had Warren Buffett come in and buy a stake in U.S gypsum, uh, the largest gypsum manufacturer, and so you're going to get some type of rationality in this market toward uh, capacity and uh, pricing and profitability that you haven't seen over time, and I think one of the fears right now is that gypsum wallboard is increasing in capacity. Um, you know, the industry capacity is going up right at a time when you may not need that capacity. But as I said earlier, you know, we're going to need 6 million new units a year just to keep pace with population growth. Obviously, that's not all going to be coming this year, but um, as you do that, you're going to need gypsum wallboard. It's still, in terms of, uh, you know, cost to weight to strength. It's still among the best raw materials out there uh, to use in building and uh, will continue to, uh, to, to, to be that. So Eagle is about half and half in each area. Um, stock down here um, 39 off of a $75 high last year and it's trading you know about eight times gross cash flow. So I think you just wait this thing out you get to the other side of this thing, and based on the Florida Rock deal, you know, this thing's probably worth somewhere in the mid-50s, um, and that's right now. So as they scale up, you know, I think ultimately this stock would be worth a lot more than that. So I own it, Eagle Materials, EXP, um, you know, value line here basically is looking at soft industry utilization as a indicator of what's to come, but that's all in the stock. So I'd say this is a buy. Uh, Eagle Materials, EXP, page 850. Okay, and then finally, the last one here uh, is one I don't own, but uh, have become very intrigued in a very short time. Chesapeake Corp, ticker CSK. Uh, it's a small cap, $175 million. It's on page 918, and this stock has plummeted from a level of... Uh, well, gee, if you go back a couple years, the stock was at 28 in uh, 04. It hit 27 in 05. It hit 19 at one point earlier this year. The stock is at 890 right now. It's printed on value line 849. The stock's up a little bit. What do these guys do? Well, Chesapeake sells specialty packaging, including corrugated containers, consumer product packaging, and plastics, uh, mainly in Europe, it says. So... Um, you know, I think that uh, my knowledge of packaging is not super deep, but I do know that if you go back a uh, hundred years, that packaging has been gaining share of uh, the economy simply because more things are getting packaged. Uh, that may be turning a little bit here because the two fastest growing areas are not packaged. That's government and services. Although packaging and good packaging, uh, you know, pretty well 
uh, is wrapped around every consumer product and uh, consumer products have been growing a little bit faster than GDP. Um, they're earning a uh, decent margin, you know, they're going to do 8 to 9 percent and that tells me that uh, they're not going to attract a lot of competition. The stock is pretty heavily levered, so it's 70 percent debt to cap and interest expense of 41 million is covered pretty well by 150 million in gross cash flow but the primary driver of my interest here is just simply valuation uh, value line is predicting 250 a share in gross cash flow in 07 stock at 890 value line is predicting 350 a share in gross cash flow per share uh, in 08 350 stock at 890 so that's less than three times and even if I look at capex per share value lines predicting two bucks a share that gives me a buck fifty in free cash flow next year stock at nine that's uh, six times free cash flow now they're feeling a little bit under the gun they've just cut their dividend and that scares people and uh, you know they uh, put up a loss uh, for a couple quarters here and people don't like that very much uh, share per share earnings estimates have been coming down uh, people don't like that although guess what they've got a restructuring in in place they're gonna save uh, 25 million uh, next year they've got uh, 20 million shares so you know we're talking about saving 50 60 cents net per share you know that's the stock's at 15 times the savings. So, uh, you know, now the estimate for earnings for this year is a, is a 50 cent loss. They lost a buck 70 per share in 06, although uh, clearly a bunch of that was non-cash as they wrote down some, some assets. Um, earnings estimates for 08, 50 cents. And, uh, you know, it appears that cash flow wise, you know, um, this thing a, is a no-brainer. So I've just got to wait it out and get this thing back to some um, a semblance of uh, realistic value. Uh, the stock's been going down on a relative basis for this entire period of this chart, so going back to 95. So uh, I'm not actually making a call that this thing is some type of strategic turnaround, but rather simply that um, it's way oversold right now at three times gross cash flow for next year. Even Value Line says that things are going to be improving in the coming years, uh, but that it's not particularly interesting right now. Well, to me, right now is sort of random a little bit. Um, you know, when you have thousands of people trying to figure out what's going to happen next quarter, I'm not sure I have any edge on that. But if you can look out three years and say, gee, are they going to be putting packaging on things? And, uh, you know, if it's uh, 350 a share projected here, even if that's wildly off, 250, 2, you know, the stock still looks pretty cheap. It's the lowest price on the page going back 10 or 15 years. Um, sales really are you know not growing a lot but uh, they're not down the company doesn't tend to lose money except in this 07 write-off year um, and according to value line you know there's a bunch of near-term stuff um, that's not you know going so well uh, when people get fears of GDP going down of course your first thought is that the packaging guys 
are going to get hit. And I know that paper costs have been coming up over the last few years. They may be receding right now in some areas, and maybe that ends up hurting their top line a little bit. But at this price, I just don't think you can go too wrong. Uh, it's about the cheapest stock on a you know multiple of cash flow in value line this week. So I'm uh, I got to go with it. Chesapeake C S K. Uh, page 918 and uh, you know sadly with my partner Vern uh, out in a black hole here uh, that's about all I have this week I want to thank you for listening into the value guys check our website www.thevalueguys.com and if you're still listening at this point I just want to ask you to you know send us an email tell us what you're thinking about the show and, uh, you know, we like to get back to all of our listeners. And typically, if you write us, we do have a, uh, a, a, an autographed uh, photograph of, uh, of, of Vern and I uh, on vacation that we make available to people. So uh, thanks for listening, everybody. This has been the October 5th, 2007 edition of the Value Line Observer with the Value Guys. And uh, I want to thank you, and uh, we'll look for you next week, everybody. Thanks a lot.